Uh, good morning and welcome to the bridge. Um, our physical location is the lands of the Semiamo, Stolo and Kwantlen peoples, although given uh, where we are today, there's actually um, on Zoom, everybody is all over, this, over the place. So wherever you are, you're welcome here and uh, we're grateful for the land that we all make home. Okay, I am going to pass over to Lando, who is going to do a little uh, community chat thingy. Morning, everyone. Uh, we are, uh, from time to time, we interview people. And uh, today I have the joy to interview Tanya. She lives not too far from here. So we just jump right in. I think it's a good way to get to know people. Uh, so Tanya, uh, tell me your, uh, well, we, we know your first name, but uh, I'm sure you have another name and where you live and who and who, what else lives in your house. Tell us about that. Okay, so my name is Tanya, um, last name Karaman which I can see shows up there. I'm using my work computer, which is why my name is on there. Normally it's just mom. So a couple of you have oh, right. I've seen commented on the mom thing. Um, and uh, I, I am a mom. I am a mom of four. Um, so at the moment, only two of them live with me, my 18 year old twins, Levi and Danae. Um, but I do have two older boys, Micah and Joel. Um, some of you, who, oh, there we are. Wow, cool. This was taken last year, the four of us, or the four of them plus me. And uh, yeah, there's Joel and Levi, um, Danae and myself. And Micah has um, Madison in his life and sweet little Willow who was born in yeah. September. So I'm a grandma, a new, a new grandma as well. So those are Good. my people. Only the, the twins live with me, and we have a cat named Oreo as well. Oreo. And right. Oreo. I forgot to send a picture of him, but uh, oh. he's black and white, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. uh, how long have you been part of our gatherings, and uh, how did you find out about us? Mm -hmm. So I was thinking about that. I uh, actually remembered mm -hmm. when the bridge uh, was launched. Um, oh, wow. It was May after my twins were born. So this is like coming up 18 years ago. And many of my friends were part of it. Um, and so over the years, and so I, I don't know when you switched over to online. I know COVID kind of shut everything down. Um, and we moved to Chilliwack 18 years ago. We're part of the various churches here. But after COVID, I had been on a uh, quite, or even before, I had been on a journey, a, a de deconstruction journey, like so many of us who have found ourselves here. Mm -hmm. And uh, and uh, really could no longer visit some of the churches that I had been attending, but really appreciated the values of the bridge. And so started probably about two years ago, I'm going to say, um, lurking in the shadows uh, on Zoom. And I think a year ago, I went to uh, one of the services. Um, I really, I really like the online aspect. It's very, I love throwing in my headphones and going for a walk and just listening. Sure. Um, but it's also nice to meet in person. So sure. wonderful, wonderful. It's great to have you. Uh, what brings you the most joy in life, and 
when do you feel the most joyful? Mm -hmm. So I'm a people person. I really like um, hanging out with friends, having good conversations, being feeling connected to them. Um, but I also love being in nature and I love plants. So it brings me incredible joy to putter um, with my myriad of house plants that I have, um, which you can't see. I've got a fake Christmas tree behind me. <laughs> I was wondering <laughs> Not if representative of who I, who I am, but uh, yeah, it, those bring me great joy. So that type of thing. And, and being with my people, my family, my children. Wonderful. Baby. Yeah. I was going to ask if that was a real or fake tree behind there. Yeah, no. It's well. not, but it sure is easy, and easy is good too. So. Yeah, and it symbolizes the real. Yeah, keep it up longer. Right on. Um, what would you like to be known for? Mm -hmm. Well, back in the day, I would have said, I think, that I would like to be known, um, you know, as someone who reflects the love of God, you know, known for being the hands and feet of Jesus. Um, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't say that anymore, but I think the values are still there. I think yeah. I, I want to be known as somebody who is loving, caring, and kind, and who actively yeah. makes a difference in the world, you know, who makes the world a better place, one person at a time. And I, I think, I hope, I don't know if my kids would agree with that, but I, I hope to do <laughs> that, like even at work, I work in the school district, or even like, yeah, in my circles. That's what I'd like oh. to be known for. Oh, wonderful. Uh, is there something that we can, as a community, join you in prayer with about? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we, it's, sometimes relationships can be difficult, as I think we all know, with extended family and, um there's what without getting going into detail it's hard to know how much to say and how much not um there's there's just a difficult situation with one of my one of my children and it, it affects everyone and i just i would appreciate like i i want for the, these things to be resolved and for us to be able to um yeah this to be resolved and for for family to um, really thrive and for the relationships to be like so important right. yeah for everyone oh right <clears throat> so yeah so I would appreciate prayer for for that yeah. well we've all heard that and uh, we would we would just join you in that and praying that these relationships this relationship would you know in the near future hopefully be be free-flowing and feel good to you so i encourage everyone else in our community to remember mm -hmm. tanya and that well thank you tanya now we know just about everything about you <laughs> no we don't but it's so good to hear a little bit and uh let's all of us communicate with each other as much as we can mm -hmm. all right that's it thank, thank you, you. <clears throat> thank you and thanks for those pictures i was wonderful oh, yeah. bye everybody Thanks, Tanya. That's cool. I, I love getting to know new, uh, different people and um, different bits. Um, and thanks for the pictures, too. That was a fun way to actually see those people and have a, a visual of that. So thank you for that. OK, today um, is the third Sunday of Advent and we light the third candle. I have two lit behind me right here. There is the candle of hope.
came first, a candle of peace. And today we light a candle, light, we click the candle of joy. Um, joy is a curious thing because it is found in so many places and so many different places and so very varying for all of us. And I would like to encourage you this week to just flick back through your photos from this year and find the things that bring you joy. Now, I had to go back a little bit further in my photos than this year. I mean, I'm sure I have things from this year, but the ones that really spoke to me of joy, I pulled out. I'm going to share them with you right now. So joy is, and uh, these are these are mine right now. So um, there is Lego here. There is tea. There is decorating cookies. There is writing. There is a pen. There is this image just sort of summed it all up. This is joy. These guys um, are much much bigger now, but they bring me joy. And uh, this. This um, was an image I created a couple of years ago, and it's about joy. So let's just let's just sit with that for a second. So there's an image of a Christmas ornament hanging, and it says, "Go and enjoy some good food and sweet drinks. Send some of it to those who don't have any. This day is set apart to honor our Lord, so don't be sad. The joy of the Lord makes you strong." And that's Nehemiah eight verse ten. And this was as they finished building the wall, I think, and the, it was a it was a feast that was called. And Nehemiah tells them, "This isn't this isn't a time for sadness. This is a time for joy, and it's a time for giving too." See that sends some of it to those who don't have any. This day is set apart to honor our Lord. I'm going to be quiet for a second. Um, so just dwell on that, or think on those images, or your own, and. What brings you joy? This, send some of it to those who don't have any. When we feed uh, our friends in Abbotsford once a month, that brings me joy. It's often hard to drag myself out at that time of the day. But I get there and the smiles on those faces and the joy in the giving, that brings me joy. I think there is some joy in giving. So the question for this video today is what brings you joy? And I would love for you to drop your thoughts into the chat. Grandkids. listening to our grandson singing. My kids, oh, I see a theme coming on. I'm sure there are other things.
helping out with a need someone has. Our neighbours' kids, they're coming in thick and fast. Our neighbours' kids running up when we pull into the driveway from work. Children, yeah. Watching the birds on the feeder. Reconciliation, even over many years. An Airbnb set up for new guests. Our cat. Connection with our Ukrainian friends who are becoming like family. Good conversation with a friend. Spending time with my wife. Anywhere. Sunshine, ocean, forests, mountains. Our cat. Did I get that one? Yep. So many things. Sharing joy with people near me and finding my keys. <laughs> Eating with friends and family. The wonder of creation. My kids showing in their own ways God's love to everyone around them. Sunsets. Sunrises. They've been amazing this week too. All right, so that second half of Nehemiah again. This day is set apart to honour our Lord. So don't be sad. The joy of the Lord makes you strong. Let's just pray. And then I'm going to pass over to Stephen Karen to lead us in communion. So the third candle is the candle of joy. Christmas tells the story of Emmanuel. God has come to be with us. I'm not sure if I can think of a better reason for joy. God is with us. And that is amazing. May we celebrate your birth, Jesus, with all the joy that we can muster. May we celebrate your presence with us every day in the lead up to Christmas Day. We are well over halfway through this month of waiting now. And may our joy build with every passing day. Amen. All right, Stephen Karen, over to you guys. Good morning. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> uh, it's good just to be together this morning in this season uh, of Advent, and um, so we're just going to we're going to take uh, communion together. The dawn of hope rests on the horizon, and beams of love reach our doubting hearts. We celebrate the newness of this season, waiting to see how Christ will appear in the world. Even in our despair, a glimmer of hope reaches into our twilight, beckoning us to breathe and wait. Our story tells us that the Christ child whose birth we anticipate will one day sit at tables with strangers and friends, building relationships filled with love and grace. We see this as he fed the multitude, turned the water into wine, and ate with the dear ones the night before his death. Come to the table of Jesus, our Redeemer. Jesus invites you here as part of the people of God. Come to the table humbly, not because you've earned a place here, but because you need mercy and help. Come because you love God and want to love God more. Come because Jesus first loved us and gave himself for us. Come because you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and come because you want to experience the mystery of God's grace. 
On the night that he was handed over, Jesus had a meal with his friends. He took a loaf of bread and after giving thanks to God, he broke it and gave it to his disciples. He said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup of wine. And after giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, remember me. Let us pray. God, our creator, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, whose love pursues us our whole life long. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your life to us in word and deed, even unto death, even death on a cross. Come, Holy Spirit, feed us with your love that we may be filled with power to love God with all of our hearts, souls and minds. Amen. Go ahead and take the bread and wine. Just as we finish that, I'm reminded of the words of a friend from many years ago, where at communion, um, he would say, thank you, Jesus, because it cost you everything. So thank you, Father. We have come to the Lord's table. We have eaten the bread of heaven. God is the one who will transform us so that we can see with Jesus' eyes, hear with Jesus' ears, speak with Jesus' mouth, so that we, all of us, can be the body of Christ in the world, proclaiming the good news of God's reign. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Sorry, another aside. I've just remembered something I heard yesterday, and it was, may I... Um, May I always look and see. I quite often will snap a picture, but I'm not actually see it. So may I, may I see, uh, may I look and see, and also may I hear to listen. Good ones. Right, we're over to Eden now. I, I believe that's true. And so um, thank you, Eden, for the time you've spent preparing for us this morning. And uh, I'd love to pray for you. So, Father, thank you so much for Eden. Thank you for how she blesses this whole community um, at the bridge and um, and beyond. And I ask, Father God, that as she shares with us this morning all that she's prepared, that, Lord, you would just breathe your life into each word and then let the meanings land in our hearts just as you want them to. Thank you, God, for Eden. Amen. 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 And thank you, Karen. That was lovely. Um, let's turn up my volume, make sure that you can all hear me. It's always nice to see your faces. I love Sunday morning. Uh, like many of you, I grew up in a faith community that didn't give much distinction to Mary's role in the life of Jesus. Uh, seldom mentioned or specified 
She was just a bit part in the story of Jesus's life. I may have even thought that Mary was a Catholic at one point because she seemed to be the only church that was talking about her. So, uh, I, I mean, she may still be Catholic, but um, I don't think so. Um, but I did grow up with Advent and candles being lit and a wreath being made for that. I knew the four words that we recycled each Advent, hope, peace, joy, love. What I didn't understand about Advent as a child was that Advent, like Lent, has a history of being a fast. I'm not going to go into that this morning, but something else I have become aware of that resonates with Advent is experiencing Advent as a time of waiting and anticipating. It's interesting then to have our focus through Advent this year be on Mary. For those of us who have been pregnant or have waited with someone through their pregnancy, you know how long it can feel for the time to come. Our waiting can't always be contained into a slotted period of time. Some of us have waited and anticipated so long that our prayers have turned into a lament of how long. Mary's pregnancy and Jesus's birth was the culmination of an entire nation's aches and groans of a prayer of how long. And that dynamic is a part of this Advent season. But our Advent word, as Sarah's already laid out for us this week, is joy. And the focus this week is on Mary, the first disciple. So to be honest, uh, I had never heard Mary called the first disciple before, but our Advent resource from saltproject.org uses the name House of God for Mary, which, like I said, was just entirely unfamiliar to me. I, I grew up in a church called Bethel, so I'm familiar with uh, the language of house of God, uh, but calling Mary that, that's, that was a whole new thought. So engaging in this focus on Mary and these two descriptors of her has been a very interesting process for me in this last while. What I'm aiming at this morning, because I try to have a point just in case you didn't think I do, um, is highlighting Mary's joyful proclamation found in her song called The Magnificent. Titled that because it begins with, my soul magnifies the Lord. Mary's song calls us as disciples to bear Christ into our broken world. Before I read the passage, I'll just remind you of the context of this song. Mary is pregnant and heads to see her cousin, Elizabeth, who is also quite miraculously pregnant. As the two meet, the baby within Elizabeth 
who we later know as John the Baptist, leaps inside of Elizabeth and she offers Mary a blessing. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you bear. In response to that blessing, Mary sings the following song and we find the Magnificat in Luke 1, 46 to 55. You can read along as I read it. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. For God has looked with favor on the lowliness of God's servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is God's name. Divine mercy is for those who fear God from generation to generation. God has shown a strong arm and scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones, lifted up the lowly, filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty and helped God's servant Israel in remembrance of divine mercy according to the promise God made to our ancestors, to Abraham, and I'll point out Sarah and Hagar, and to their descendants forever. Mary is the first disciple. She's the first to hear and embrace the good news. And when Gabriel asks her to come, uh, to become the mother of God, she says, yes. What we hear in Mary's song is not reluctance or resignation or mere acceptance. Mary is giving a joyful proclamation. The central emotion of this song is joy. In the short time that passed between her visit from the angel and her arrival at Elizabeth's house, Mary has embraced joy as her disposition and she willingly surrenders to the role God has given her. And as she fulfills her role in bearing Jesus Christ, the son of God into this world, she becomes the house of God. In her dwells both God and man in human form. But she doesn't stop being the house of God when she's given birth to Jesus. That role continues within her heart, as it does with us when we align with God and follow Mary's example as disciples of Jesus. This song and the joy that Mary sings it with helps us to recognize her as the first disciple. We hear her yes again, and in that we understand that she has already dedicated herself to follow and in that we understand that she, um, care, she is dedicated to following the one that she carries within. And her discipleship is meant to be an archetype or symbol or example of our discipleship. This song of Mary's becomes a song for us to sing too. It's also how Mary becomes a type of the church 
and is able to wear the name House of God. The gravity of her understanding of how her discipleship, her bearing of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, into this world is very profound. The ways that she sees and believes that Jesus will affect the world might be considered grandiose, but also reflects what scripture said about the Messiah. Her yes is a call and an invitation to each of us to follow Christ and to also be a place where Christ dwells within. As we read through the Magnificat, we come to see that Mary isn't only rejoicing that she's going to have a baby, but that the one she is bearing and we bear as disciples has come to rescue and heal the world. Mary echoes Hannah's powerful song in 1 Samuel 2, when Hannah glorifies God for the miracle birth of Samuel and dedicates him to service in the temple. So I'm going to read it and listen for the overlapping messages from the Magnificat. So 1 Samuel 2. My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire them, themselves out for food, but those who are hungry are hungry no more. She who has barren, she who was barren, has borne seven children. But she, who has had many sons, pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He, break, he brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. So Mary would have been aware of the passage in 1 Samuel because tradition tells us that Mary herself was dedicated for service into the temple around the age of three. Bear with me. 
The story says that immediately upon her arrival, she rushed up the stairs, past the priests, and straight into the Holy of Holies where angels gave her manna to eat. As the story goes, Mary was given the task of embroidering the curtain that veiled the Holy of Holies. Theologically, this narrative reflects how Mary was knitting together Jesus Christ in her womb until, like the veil, his body was torn on Good Friday to give us access to the Holy of Holies. According to tradition, Mary's desire was to stay, study, and serve with the in the temple her whole life. But the law had no provision to accommodate a mature woman with the temple. And so as a teenager, she left the temple and was betrothed to Joseph. Imagine this young girl sitting and sewing right on the door to the Holy of Holies, touching the veil that separates the rest of the temple from this most sacred place. Can you sense how beautifully this story overlaps with what Mary experiences while she carries the most sacred within her? She's knitting together in her womb the Messiah, Emmanuel, the Son of God. Tradition has at times been given a bad rap and thought to be less progressive and more prohibitive. But in this case, I think tradition um, is the part of the story or is the part of the story that preserves um, through uh, worship, feasts and hymns um, from the ancient church, what was not recorded in the Bible. It's just as old it's just not part of the Bible. So Bible-only people are going to tend to dismiss the, the tradition, but story people can see its merits. We see that here in how it fills out and expands the gospel and nuances the gravity of the backstory of Mary. So to quote Jeff from last week, is it factual? Maybe not. But is it true? Yes. So let's go back to Mary's song and what she sees God is up to. There are two words that Mary repeats in this short song, and they are divine mercy. She uses it to describe the fruit of being in alignment with God. She actually uses the word fear but that doesn't translate well for us in this culture because we aren't meant to be afraid of God, more like in awe of God and in alignment and relationship with God. And when we are, are aligned with God, we experience divine mercy. But in our discipleship, we also extend divine mercy. And to be clear, mercy is for everyone and is always accessible to all. But we tend to experience it more significantly when we are in relationship with God. So here's what Mary teaches us about divine mercy in her song. 
except when I read it, it reflected another passage to me. And so I'm going to read that song as the, uh, and filter it through the Beatitudes because it kind of fills, uh, filters out some of the rhetoric. And there is definitely rhetoric in the Bible. <clears throat> so here it is. See if you can see how it overlaps. Blessed are those who are humble. They will be given the earth. Blessed are those who are spiritually needy. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Blessed are those who are sad. They will be comforted. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty for what is right. They will be filled. Blessed are those who show mercy. They will be shown mercy. Blessed are those whose hearts are pure. They will see God. Blessed are those who make peace. They will be called children of God. Blessed are those who suffer for doing what is right. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Be joyful and glad. Your reward in heaven is great. This is what divine mercy looks like. This is what was bringing Mary such joy. So let me just jump back to Mary's song for a moment. The last line of Mary's song talks about God's promise of divine mercy to Abraham, and I included Sarah and Hagar because our Advent curriculum did, and because they were the women who bore Isaac and Ishmael and were the mothers of Abraham's descendants. He did not do that alone. So Abraham is considered the patriarch of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. The gravity of Mary singing and reminding us all of God's promise of divine mercy to each of these ancestral lines is poignant these days, particularly when we look at Israel and Palestine, where we're not seeing divine mercy. And consequently, we are feeling a very heavy burden of grief. I want to wrap this up, but also set us up for a conversation. So I want to just point out how Mary's role was all about centering on Jesus. Mary was the archetype of a few more things that I'll drop here just at the end, and I'm not going to go into them. She was an archetype of discipleship in how she spotlighted Jesus. It was easy not to notice Mary because she wasn't making it about herself. She was also the archetype of the temple, the house of God, both while she carried Jesus within, but also as a mother holding him in her heart. We see her being an archetype of the Ark of the Covenant. How so? Well, what was in the Ark? There was manna, there was uh, Aaron's budding rod, and there were the Ten Commandments. The manna is the archetype of Jesus as the bread of heaven, which we just referred to 
in communion. Aaron's budding rod is the archetype of Jesus's resurrection. And the commandments are the archetype of Jesus fulfilling the law. Mary held all of that within her body, in Jesus, which is an archetype of arc, uh, uh, of the Ark of the Covenant. Mary's also an archetype of the Holy of Holies. Within her dwelt the Holy One. And Mary is the premier example of how to follow Jesus. Her emphatic yes, her joyful acceptance, her example teaches us that we too can be true disciples. We can be a house of God. We can be a temple and we can carry him like the Ark of the Covenant. So I want, I want to leave you with some questions. How do we as disciples demonstrate the divine mercy of God that was promised, especially within today's challenging news cycle? And how do we sustain joy in these times? And how do we wait well? And do we have capacity to wait alongside another? Let's pray. Jesus, you have a remarkable mother. She said yes to you before she knew what she would have to endure. She has blessed us with her beautiful example of what discipleship really is. Thank you for sharing her with us when on the cross you said, behold your mother. We wait together with all creation for your divine mercy to flow in and through each one of us. Amen.